Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome to Season 4, Episode 50 of They Walk Among Us, a podcast dedicated to UK true crime. Please listen to Season 4, Episode 49 for Part 1 of this four-part case. The next instalment will be available next week. Listener caution is advised, as this episode contains adult themes and descriptions that some listeners may find distressing. Stuart Lubbock, a father to two young children, was 31 when he was found lifeless floating in a swimming pool that belonged to celebrity entertainer Michael Barrymore. Stuart was naked apart from a pair of boxer shorts. He had suffered internal injuries that would later be described as horrific. The employee of a meat processing factory from Harlow in Essex had been on a night out clubbing, when, along with several other partygoers, He left the Millennium Nightclub and headed to Barrymore's home on Beaumont Park Drive in Royden, only a few miles away. The guest said the discovery was made around quarter to six in the morning, on March 31st, 2001. Years later, in an interview with Guardian reporter Decker Atkinhead, Stuart's father Terry would offer his thoughts for why his son had gone to the party. Stuart was a show-off, Terry said. That was his weakness. 
He'd have gone straight up there to the house just so he could tell everyone about it the next day. Earlier that same night, Michael Barrymore had been out with his new lover, Jonathan Kenny. The entertainer was still coming to terms with the divorce from his wife of over two decades. He also learned that his mother had been diagnosed with cancer. Looking for a good night out to cheer himself up, Along with Kenny, Barrymore went for an Indian meal with friends, but in the taxi on the way home, the pair instead decided to go to the Millennium Nightclub, arriving around 1am. Some star-struck party-goers were invited back to Barrymore's property around an hour and a half later. The atmosphere was pleasant. This group of people had found themselves in a celebrity's home after a night of clubbing with free-flowing alcohol. This kind of opportunity didn't raise its head often. But the party came to an abrupt end when Stuart Lubbock was found unresponsive shortly before the sun rose. In a panic, Barrymore left his home soon after Stuart was found and was not there to answer to the police when they arrived. He left with acquaintances James Futters and Simon Shaw. Shaw owned a flat on Royden High Street, and this was where the three men went. Barrymore's personal assistant, who was given access to the property on Beaumont Park Drive, would later tell police where Barrymore was. Officers were left to speak to Jonathan Kenny, the Merritts, Justin and Kylie, and their friends Claire Jones and Kelly Campbell. Stuart's death was at first ruled a drowning, however questions still remained as to how he received his injuries and whether there was something more sinister at play. Essex police undertook an investigation that lasted almost a year, and several arrests were made. Still, no one was ultimately charged, and the inquiry wound down. An inquest into Stuart Lubbock's death began at Epping Forest District Council offices during the second week of September 2002. The family of the dead man, Stuart Lubbock, arrived for the formal opening of the inquest. This was not a full hearing today. The main body of evidence will be presented to the coroner from tomorrow. Michael Barrymore was not present. He was represented by his barrister, Michael Mansfield QC. Stuart's family heard Caroline Beasley Murray, the Essex coroner, explain that the proceedings were not a trial. It was merely a process to understand what happened. In a preliminary hearing during July, the coroner had said, The inquest will be a full and thorough investigation into the sad death of Stuart Lubbock. No one is on trial, least of all the deceased. She concluded, I am very conscious that this inquest is an investigation into a death and not an inquiry into certain people's social and sexual activities. But where necessary, such matters may be touched upon. Fifty people had been interviewed for the case and more than 120 statements taken. 
The inquest would be furnished with 1,300 police documents generated throughout the investigation and over 300 pieces of evidence. A post-mortem was completed and during the opening of the proceedings, the inquest was told by coroner's officer Rick Jones that Stewart had consumed enough alcohol to be around three times the drink-drive limit. He was seen drinking a cinnamon-flavoured vodka-based spirit, Aftershock. Traces of ecstasy and cocaine were also found in his system. Rick Jones went on to explain that three arrests were made in connection with the incident. These included Michael Barrymore, Barrymore's lover Jonathan Kenny, and Justin Merritt a refuse collector who had never met Barrymore or his partner before that night. All three would be giving evidence. Barrymore had accepted a caution under his real name of Michael Parker for the possession of cannabis and permitting his residence to be used as a location where the drug was consumed. Merritt and Kenny were arrested on suspicion of murder, though were later released from police bail without charge. The coroner's officer confirmed that Essex police made extensive inquiries into the circumstances of Stewart's death, but the CPS advised there was insufficient evidence to charge any individual. At the inquest, Michael Barrymore, who had been ordered to appear by the coroner, would be represented by Michael Mansfield QC. The lawyer was famous for his work on several high-profile cases relating to miscarriages of justice. These included representing the Birmingham Six, the Guildford Four, the family of Stephen Lawrence, and Mansfield played an instrumental role in overturning the conviction of Barry George, who was acquitted of the murder of Jill Dander. Barrymore did not attend the majority of the inquest, but when he arrived to offer evidence... He was well-dressed and at first seemed relaxed when having to come face-to-face with the Lubbock family. He was simply seeking the answers they so rightly deserved. Michael Barrymore's appearance in the club on the evening in question was described by Stuart's brother Kevin. He had been out with his brother at the Millennium Nightclub but had not been invited back to Barrymore's home. Terry Lubbock Stewart's father became overwhelmed when he heard his surviving son speak about the brother he had lost. Kevin recalled feeling some form of premonition the day before they went to the nightclub and told his brother that something was not right. But Stewart laughed this off. He was my tower of strength. To me, he was special, Kevin said. I always thought he could take care of anything. A brief recess was held to allow Stuart's father some time to compose himself. The taxi driver who transported Barrymore, Stuart Lubbock and brother and sister Kylie and Justin Merritt from the Millennium Nightclub to Barrymore's home would offer evidence at the inquest. Keith Herritt had been interviewed by the press following the incident 
so to some extent, his recollection of the journey was already public knowledge. He described Barrymore being slumped forward, in the back seat directly behind the driver's side. At one point, Barrymore leaned forward and spoke to him. Eric, who was driving the four passengers during the eight-minute journey, heard one of them make fun of Barrymore, saying sarcastically, He's not like he is on the telly. He's a scruffy bastard. The witness identified this individual to be Stuart Lubbock. The taxi driver said, Michael Barrymore was very badly worse for wear. It was my impression that he was in no fit state to do anything but sit in a chair and go to sleep. He was walking drunkenly, got in the car and then slouched into the car seat. It was my impression that he did not actually know the three people. Keith Herrick described his concern for Barrymore's safety, given the state his passenger was in. Barrymore was drunk and foul-mouthed, almost unable to walk as he headed towards the taxi before the group made the journey to his home in Royden. Eric heard him say, I could do with a good fuck now. I'd be happy with that now. Eric told the inquest he was shocked and wasn't sure who in the cab the comment was directed at. Eric had at first been unable to find Barrymore when he arrived at the pickup point and even called the booking staff for an update before hearing someone in the crowd point out that they had seen the celebrity. As he was wearing baggy clothing and trainers, the taxi driver only recognised Barrymore when he put his head up after he had been staring down towards the floor. The topic then turned to the people that orbited the life of Stuart Lubbock. The mother of Stuart's children made a prepared statement about the couple's relationship and the type of person Stuart was. Claire Wicks said he was a bubbly partygoer. When asked about Stuart's general health, she said he was uncomfortable at times, divulging that Stuart suffered from chronic piles something that caused him a great deal of pain. On occasion, he was unable to work. Questioned whether Stuart took drugs, Claire Wick said that Stuart did on the weekends, and this included ecstasy, a claim that was also backed up by friends and love interests. As rumours had been rife in the press about Stuart's connection to Michael Barrymore, and the circumstances surrounding his death, the subject of Stuart's sexual orientation was raised. Claire Wick said, He was a typical ladies' man, and always a gentleman. He never spoke about men or sex. She recalled on one occasion that he made a derogatory remark about a television show she was watching, Queer as Folk. He was not comfortable with it, she said. Several women who had been romantically involved with Stuart said there was nothing to suggest he was gay, something Stuart's brother Kevin had also agreed with. Emma Bowen had been in a casual relationship with Stuart up until his death. She spoke about how the couple started seeing each other in October 2000, 
following a chance meeting in a nightclub called Passions in Harlow, a month before Stuart broke up with the mother of his children. The inquest was told that Stuart often spent time in his brother's company, with the two being described as near inseparable. Emma Bowen said, They were both ladies' men. The first night I met Stuart, he said he was a tart who slept around quite often. He was a very lively character, but I mainly knew him in the club. He would always be shouting, What's up? and had a thing about shaking people's hands. Emma and Stuart had briefly separated over the Christmas period after Stuart was found in a compromising position with a co-worker, Karen Harris, but the pair began speaking again shortly before he died. Emma Bowen was at the Millennium Nightclub at the end of March 2001 and saw Stuart leaving. The pair chatted before Emma headed home while Stuart was waiting for a taxi. Emma Bowen told the inquest, I saw Stuart coming out of the club. He said, I'm waiting for Michael Barrymore to come out. We're going to a party. Barrymore then came out with another man. I thought it was his boyfriend. Karen Harris, who also had been in a brief on-off physical relationship with Stuart, spoke about his health problems, which included constant cramps he had in his feet. She was also aware that he had taken drugs, something he had mentioned to her on more than one occasion. Stuart had described taking up to four ecstasy tablets at once. However, Karen Harris had never actually seen him consume any drugs. There was evidence that drugs had been present at the property on Beaumont Park Drive. However, there was no way of confirming who they belonged to. Following the incident, a forensic team examined the home and found pages torn from a magazine which had been folded to conceal what was believed to be cocaine. The discovery was made when the officers entered the master bedroom and found the folded pages on a dressing table. The samples were analysed along with swabs taken from furniture in the house. These all tested positive for traces of cocaine. After Stuart Lubbock was pronounced dead on the morning of March 31st, 2001, a post-mortem was completed that afternoon by pathologist Dr. Michael Heath. He concluded that Stuart Lubbock had drowned. A small number of bruises and abrasions were noted across Stuart's body, which Heath attributed to the period in which he believed Stuart was being removed from the pool. There were signs of blood on his arm, consistent with an injection mark, and blood around Stuart's mouth and nostrils, though these were caused by the resuscitation procedure. The injuries did not contribute to Stuart's death. The pathologist confirmed that blood tests indicated the consumption of alcohol and drugs. However, when a urine sample was retrieved, the results showed neither had been found in Stuart's system. These results were dismissed as Dr. Heath believed the outcome may have been affected by the procedures undertaken in the hospital. 
This included pouring hot water on the body in an effort to treat the symptoms of hypothermia. The pathologist believed that although the amount of drugs Stuart had consumed were not enough to make him pass out, his perception and reaction time would have been diminished. Dr Heath told those present at the inquest that based on his findings, Stuart's death was an accident. Heath said, There was no evidence of a third party having been involved in Mr Lubbock's death. It is important to note he had high levels of alcohol and drugs in him. This could have been the initial trigger of him not being able to get out of the pool. There was no evidence of violence or injury, and this would indicate a cause of death from drowning. His death was due to immersion where he was in a swimming pool. There was no evidence that he had been in a scuffle. When quizzed, Dr Heath said it was possible that Stuart could have fallen into the pool. Confronting evidence that was due to be presented, the coroner asked Dr Heath why three other pathologists had noticed there had been pin-headed hemorrhages, a potential sign that Stuart's airways had been restricted and he had not. He said these could be associated with the resuscitation process. But in a startling admission, they may have been missed during his examination, as photos of Stuart's injuries might have enhanced what was not apparent to the human eye. Two of the three other pathologists had reviewed the photographic evidence, as they were unable to carry out a physical examination. In spite of Dr Heath's assertion that Stuart Lubbock's death was an accident, Something that did stand out was the discovery of some internal injuries that included bruising, inflammation and lacerations. This was consistent with a severe sexual assault. To Dr Heath, the evidence suggested Stuart Lubbock had been forcibly penetrated by a large hard object which resulted in the injuries. This was something which the pathologist believed occurred shortly before Stuart had died, possibly within four hours of his death. Questioned by the solicitor for Stuart's surviving family, Matthew Gowan, the pathologist was asked if drugs and alcohol consumed may have numbed the pain. Was it possible that the injuries occurred before arriving at the house party? Dr Michael Heath had reviewed footage of Stuart walking out of the Millennium nightclub with Michael Barrymore and he was of the firm opinion that the anal injuries received could not have occurred around this time. Heath said, Just getting around would be excruciatingly painful. One has to consider how much alcohol Stuart Lubbock had taken which could alleviate the discomfort. There was a mixture of high levels of alcohol and amphetamines and compounds of cocaine but the toxicology examination did not indicate that Mr Lubbock died from this. These were not the levels where one would be comatose. When prompted, the pathologist did concur that given the combination of drugs consumed, it may have been possible that this could have acted as some sort of anaesthetic. Michael Mansfield QC, acting on behalf of Michael Barrymore, questioned if the injuries did in fact occur at the property. Mansfield said, No one at the house, 
No one attending the house, including paramedics and police officers, saw any signs of blood staining at or near the pool or on the way to the hospital. Mansfield offered the opinion that perhaps the injuries occurred when the hospital staff used a three-inch long rectal thermometer during the resuscitation procedure. The device was three millimetres in diameter. However, this was outright rejected by Dr Heath, who said, It is my opinion that the injuries were caused by a serious sexual assault, and these injuries were caused very shortly before Mr Lubbock's death. Michael Mansfield argued that not a single witness who attended the party had seen Stuart in any discomfort or made any mention of how he received the injuries. The barrister said, Carly Merritt has given a statement saying that Mr Lubbock had gone to the jacuzzi, gone in and got out, walked to the kitchen, found he was wet and then went into the swimming pool and was swimming around. It does not look as though this is consistent with someone who has got an excruciating injury, which makes it difficult to move around. While Dr Michael Heath believed the cause of Stuart Lubbock's death to be drowning, this was disputed by all three of the other pathologists who gave evidence. They believed the cause of death should have been recorded as unascertained which essentially means the pathologists were unable to find the exact cause. On June 19, 2001, almost three months after the incident, a second post-mortem was completed on Stewart's body by Christopher Milroy, a professor of forensic pathology at the University of Sheffield. As drugs had been consumed, Milroy suggested that cardiac arrest could have played a part, This was confirmed when thickened blood was discovered in the vessels of Stuart Lubbock's heart. It was suggested by Professor Milroy that this finding was consistent with the statements made regarding Stuart's use of ecstasy, as users of the drug would exhibit the same symptoms. The consumption of drugs mixed with the severe internal injuries, along with other components, could well have caused the death, the professor concluded. He said, People can have a reflex cardiac arrest if an object is inserted in this way, and that is more likely if alcohol is involved. Other possibilities for the death can include drowning, hypothermia, drug intoxication, or upper airway obstruction, which can occur when the neck is held during sexual activity. I can't say with any certainty that any one of them is correct. Milroy admitted that evidence that could have pointed towards a drowning may have been removed during the resuscitation process. On the subject of what exactly caused the internal injuries, the professor explained that it may have been a fist. He categorically ruled out a medical thermometer. The pathologist was clear that he could find no evidence of Stuart Lubbock being restrained or any internal or external damage to the throat, though he described how he had encountered a number of deaths where a neck hold had left no internal or external signs. While being questioned, Professor Milroy told the inquest it was possible that Stuart was dead before he ended up in the swimming pool and that he had been smothered they could not be 100% certain. 
However, he was confident that the injuries were not present when the 31-year-old father of two was filmed on CCTV, leaving the Millennium Nightclub at 2.37am. In his opinion, a cause of death could not be ascertained. Professor Milroy described finding several minute pinheaded size haemorrhages, or petechia, behind Stuart's eyes, behind the ears and on the face. Unlike Dr. Heath, he said they were not generally produced by the resuscitation process. Professor Milroy believed the injuries were consistent with there being some constriction of the neck. You would not expect to see them in connection with the drowning. Following questioning from Barrymore's counsel, if Stuart Lubbock had been a willing participant in a sex act, the pathologist offered the opinion that autoerotic asphyxiation was another possible cause of death among the many others. However, the injuries received did not suggest they were obtained willingly. Addressing the lack of injuries to Stuart Lubbock's throat, Professor Milroy said, In violent but consensual acts, people can get airways obstructed. There are occasions where it is said to give pleasurable feeling to some people during sex. I have encountered deaths when that activity has taken place. You often do not have any external injuries. A police report was read by the coroner's officer that noted that DNA testing was carried out on the underwear that Stuart was wearing when he was found. Both semen and blood were discovered on the inside of the material in the fly section. Coroner's officer Rick Jones read a portion of a report on the findings which said there was no significant evidence to indicate Stuart Lubbock had sexual relations immediately prior to his death. A third pathologist, who was highly experienced in the study of drownings, also did not agree with Dr Michael Heath's conclusion. The independent pathologist, Professor Ian Calder, did not complete a post-mortem, but studied the findings and photographs of the body. He too found evidence of broken blood vessels in Stuart's face. The problem that I had is that all the typical signs of drowning were not present, Professor Calder said. I cannot ascertain what the cause of death is in this case. There were four or five confounding factors. There is a very complicated equation here to the mode of death. Professor Calder did not think the lungs showed the typical features of a drowning, their size or characteristics. They were heavier than he would expect and there was an indication of heart failure. Discussing the injuries Stuart received and the uncertainty surrounding his death, a fourth pathologist, Professor Jack Crane, at the time the state pathologist for Northern Ireland, was confident that Stuart Lubbock did not consent in any way to the injuries he received. Professor Crane was sure that Stuart was a victim of a brutal assault. The expert witness told the inquest, While I accept that these injuries could occur during consensual sexual activity, I do not believe that these injuries were sustained by consensual sexual behaviour. 
I believe something had to be inserted forcibly into the anus, causing bruising, dilation and lacerations. These injuries could not have been caused by a thermometer. Sudden death with certain types of drugs may occur. It can occur with cocaine, with ecstasy and can be exacerbated by some form of sexual assault. It could, in these circumstances, precipitate sudden cardiac arrest. There are a number of possibilities in this case. The pathologist went on to agree with Professor Christopher Milroy's belief that Stuart might have been forcibly restrained and smothered. Quote, This could have been affected by obstruction of the mouth and nose, such as by suffocation if the face had been compressed against bedding. The body could have then been put into the pool, perhaps either in an attempt to revive the deceased or make the death appear as a simple case of accidental drowning. Professor Jack Crane had declared at the start of his evidence that the typical features of a drowning were not present. The lungs were not ballooned. There was fluid in them, but not the consistency he would expect. The lungs were not the correct texture and the hemorrhages were not a feature he would expect in a drowning. Further tests were completed on Stewart's body by toxicologist Professor Robert Forrest. He was questioned regarding Stuart Lubbock's drug use and if the amount consumed could have caused death. In his words, the professor said there was a potential theoretical interaction between the cocaine, alcohol and ecstasy, or MDMA as he referred to it using its scientific shorthand name. This was the equivalent of nine pints of beer and up to five tablets of ecstasy. Addressing the strength of ecstasy needed to kill someone, Professor Forrest said, It's not a trivial amount. And I've seen people dead with nothing else to show for it with concentrations of MDMA of this type, although it is to the lower end of the range. Based on his findings, the professor believed that the amounts detected in the blood were consumed within six hours of death, though if taken all at once, the time frame would change to 90 minutes. When pressed by the coroner if this combination of drugs and alcohol could kill, Professor Robert Forrest replied, It's possible. Professor Forrest was then asked how the drugs would have affected an individual in responding to an assault. He replied, If anyone has been forced to engage in sexual activity, the concentration of these drugs would impair their ability to resist. Nurse Angela Nagel, who was working in the A&E department when Stewart was admitted, later read a statement in which it was noted that she did not see any significant injuries to Stuart's body and she saw no blood. Nurse Nagel confirmed that a rectal thermometer was used 16 times as they fought to raise Stuart's body temperature, which on admittance was 29.3 degrees. She had been concerned, after reading the press reports about what had happened, that using a thermometer may have caused the injuries although when asked if the number of times the procedure was carried out or the procedure itself was unusual, 
she confirmed it wasn't. Although the nurse did say that the process of obtaining a temperature in this manner had since changed. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. This episode of They Walk Among Us is brought to you in association with Centair. Ever entered a seemingly perfect space only to feel like something was missing? That's where Centair comes in. With over three decades of experience, Centair leads the scent marketing industry, scenting resorts, retail outlets, event spaces and more, partnering with major brands like Westin Hotels and Snap Fitness. Chances are you've already encountered their fragrances firsthand. And now Centair is offering you a luxury fragrance experience in the comfort of your home. Visit Centair.com to explore their online store and infuse your spaces with unforgettable scents. Centair diffusers are sleek and fill your space with vivid fragrance for up to 300 hours. And the Centair app lets you schedule your fragrance and control your intensity right from your phone. What's more, all of Centair's more than 60 fragrances are phthalate-free, cruelty-free, safer families and EcoVad is certified sustainable. Differentiate your space with scent. Try luxury home fragrance trusted by the pros by going to Centair.com and using promo code AMONGUS for an extra 25% off your first order. That's promo code Among Us for an extra 25% off your first order at centair.com. While it was plainly apparent that Stuart Lubbock had consumed drugs and alcohol, medical experts had not come to an agreement on how he died. It was hoped perhaps the people at the party that night might be able to shine a light on Stuart's final hours. Kylie Merritt spoke at the inquest about how she shared a taxi with her brother Justin, Michael Barrymore and Stuart. She had never met either Stuart or Barrymore before that night. On the topic of Stuart's well-being at the party, Kylie said that he was having a good time and larking about. Stuart had had a few drinks and he was merry. Kylie had spent most of the evening in the kitchen with other guests, her friends Claire Jones and Kelly Campbell. 
While she was reasonably sure that Stuart had been in the pool and the jacuzzi prior to him being found lifeless in the water, Kylie could not recall if he had been in any of the bedrooms in the house. Stuart had asked her to come in the water at one point, although she said it was too cold. On the subject of Michael Barrymore, the host of the party, the witness said he offered everyone drinks. Kylie Merritt explained that at one point she had seen him with two men in a small room off the side of the master bedroom, but when she passed the room again, the door was shut. The two men later turned out to be James Futters and Simon Shaw. Kylie Merritt was asked about the use of drugs in the house, and she said that she had seen Michael Barrymore with cocaine on his finger. Referring to Barrymore under his real name of Parker, Kylie Merritt said, I saw Michael Parker get some cocaine out in the kitchen. Me, Justin Stewart and Michael Parker were in the kitchen. When Mr Parker offered it to Stewart, he said no. When he was in the kitchen, I saw Barrymore put some cocaine on his finger and he rubbed it on Mr Lubbock's gums. Kylie was asked if this was against Stuart's will. She replied, Yes, because he pulled away from him. After Barrymore had done that, Stuart pulled away. The 20-year-old explained that afterwards, Barrymore stopped bothering Stuart. Questioned about Stuart's movements after this incident, Kylie spoke about how her brother and Stuart were talking about their children. At that time, she remembered Stuart drinking. He had been in the pool and was throwing a baseball cap around. She confirmed that her brother was in the jacuzzi with Jonathan Kenny, and they were later joined by Stuart. Kylie recalled that after Stuart appeared dripping wet in the kitchen after getting out of the jacuzzi, he returned to the pool. He jumped in and out of the water several times. Stuart threw a baseball cap at Kylie and she threw it back. She believed the time to be around 5am. As those at the inquest were keen to construct a timeline for when each of the events unfolded, for example when the pool cover was retracted, Kylie Merritt was asked when this occurred. She simply said she could not recall, but in her words... It wasn't earlier on in the evening. Matthew Gowan, the solicitor for the Lubbock family, did his best to plot out the night by asking Kylie if certain things happened after particular groups of guests arrived, as this would at least put things in a bracket by hour. But Kylie Merritt just repeated the words, I don't remember. As she provided evidence, Kylie had to frequently stop. She was overwhelmed and incredibly distressed, breaking down in floods of tears, especially when under cross-examination. The halts to the proceedings were numerous, allowing time for Kylie to compose herself. She was finally asked if she saw Stuart in any pain, shouting or crying out, or even being sexually assaulted. She said she did not.
Kylie Merritt's brother Justin also gave his account of the night. Asked about Stuart Lubbock, Justin Merritt said that Stuart exhibited no signs to indicate that he may have received any severe internal injuries consistent with a serious sexual assault. Merritt at first corroborated the statement provided by taxi driver Keith Herritt, in which he said that Barrymore voiced a desire to have intercourse, saying, There was something about Mr. Parker, wanted a shag or sex or something. I can't remember the exact wording. But when later questioned by Michael Mansfield, he admitted that it was possible he may have been influenced by the media reporting on what Barrymore said. Merritt then contradicted himself and admitted that he could not remember Barrymore mentioning it. He also repeated the story his sister gave about the use of drugs at the party. Using Barrymore's real name, he said, I saw Mr Parker rub white powder on Stuart's gums. I don't know what it was. I just remember Stuart backing away. Under cross-examination, Michael Mansfield, who represented Michael Barrymore, was quick to highlight that Justin's sister Kylie Merritt never mentioned drugs at the party when she spoke to the police. In fact, she told them that she did not believe that Stuart had taken them, nor did her brother, when statements were given on March 31st. This was only revealed when Justin Merritt sold a story to the News of the World newspaper. Merritt told the inquest that he received £30,000 for the interview, though admitted his memory was somewhat hazy as he was highly intoxicated by the time he arrived at the party, describing himself as being in a drunken stupor. Again, looking for a witness to be able to pin down the time of Stuart's movements, Merritt was asked when he was in the jacuzzi with Stuart and Jonathan Kenny. Merritt believed this to be about an hour after they arrived, so possibly 3.50am. He then said that Stuart had been in both the jacuzzi and the pool, jumping in the water, holding his legs up to his chest. This was when Merritt went indoors with Jonathan Kenny, but he could not recall the time. In his interview with police, Merritt had seen Stuart Lubbock getting dry after being in the jacuzzi, which is adjacent to the swimming pool. Merritt managed to at least describe to the inquest the moment he found out that Stuart had been found unresponsive in the pool. Again, referring to Barrymore under his real name, he said, I was in the bedroom and Mr Parker came in. Me and Jonathan Kenny were sitting there chatting and he said there's a geezer floating in the pool. We followed Jonathan out, and he was doing mouth to mouth. Strangely, there was no mention of either James Futters or Simon Shaw, who it was said had apparently pulled Stuart from the water. Merritt had also suggested that Kylie had helped get Stuart out of the pool, but this was something his sister denied. Again, the coroner was no further forward with finding an answer, as when prompted by Caroline Beasley Murray, if Merritt knew when Stuart was found in the water, he said he could not recall. I have thought about this a lot. There was no time, 
He was with us in the jacuzzi, as I say, and then he was in the pool, and then we went indoors. That is the only time that we never really see him, you know, or knew what he was doing. Another witness who attended the party knew Michael Barrymore. He delivered Barrymore's paper when he was younger, and more recently had seen him when they had been out for drinks occasionally on Royden High Street. James Futters was familiar with Barrymore's property, as he had been there with his friend Simon Shaw on several occasions. Barrymore had also visited Futters' flat and Shaw's home as well. While it did not seem they were firm friends, they certainly knew of each other with Barrymore later describing them as neighbours. Maybe as James Futters knew the host and the surroundings, he could provide some answers, as even more questions were being raised after Justin and Kylie Merritt offered their evidence. The witness told the inquest that he had been to the Millennium Nightclub in Harlow with his friend Simon Shaw. They travelled back to Royden as they both lived there and decided to drop in at the unplanned gathering. Futters believed this to be around 3.30am but could not be 100%, maybe sometime between 3 to 4am. When they arrived, Futters told the court that Barrymore offered him what appeared to be some white powder on his fingertips. The witness admitted that he took it, telling the inquest, I was so drunk I didn't care. He believed it to be cocaine. Futters was asked if at any point he saw Stuart taking the drug. He told the coroner, no, I just saw him drinking a lot. He did, however, recall Barrymore flicking the switch that opened the cover to the pool. He could not be entirely sure if he had seen Stuart swimming in the pool during the party, as Futters said he did not have his glasses, and besides, it was dark. Futters recalled spending most of his time in a drunken conversation with Barrymore and his friend Simon Shaw. Futters and Shaw had not spoken to the other guests much throughout the night, a fact confirmed by Claire Jones in a police statement. She said she saw them for all of around ten minutes. Holding a small torch to guide them, Barrymore took Shaw and Futters on a tour of the house and the new £100,000 extension. Stuart was in a good mood. He was still quite lively, Futters said. He couldn't really stand still. He was sort of jumping around. He was buzzing. Stuart was drinking a tumbler full of aftershock and the witness remembered calling him a nutter for drinking what was described as strong stuff. Barrymore spent a great deal of time with Futters and Shaw smoking cannabis in the second bedroom. At one point he suggested they go for a dip in the water. Based on police statements... Barrymore headed to the master bedroom where Justin Merritt and Jonathan Kenny had been spending time. Barrymore retrieved three pairs of swimming shorts. He was gone for approximately five minutes. When he came back, the three changed into their swimwear. 
although James Futters never mentioned all his interactions with Michael Barrymore at the inquest. In his police statement, he refers to two instances in which the entertainer made advances towards him. Barrymore seemed to accept the rebuttals as one of those things and just shrugged it off. In his statement to police, Futters said he didn't feel comfortable undressing before getting in the water. He told officers, I felt that if I stayed where Simon was, I'd be safe from Barrymore if he tried anything again. When asked about the circumstances of discovering Stuart's body, Futters said that Barrymore was walking some steps behind, with Futters and Shaw seeing what was described as looking like a log in the water. Realising it was Stuart, Simon Shaw jumped in to pull him out. Shaw struggled at first after trying to leave through the wrong exit before he pulled Stuart up onto the edge of the pool. It was then the inquest took a somewhat strange turn, as after being questioned by the coroner, using his initial police statements to reaffirm the facts, Futters admitted that Barrymore was not with him or Simon Shaw, or even outside when the initial discovery was made. Justin Merritt had been the one who called the police. This raised some questions, but again there would be very few answers. As the inquest had been told of Stuart's severe internal injuries suggestive of a sexual assault, Futters was asked if he had seen anything happen at the property. He also said he had not. Simon Shaw was the one who was said to have jumped into the pool and pulled Stuart out of the water. Although interestingly, he was never called as a witness at the inquest. In a statement which was read to the court, Shaw said that after Stuart Lubbock was pulled from the pool, he was seen being sick as someone tried to give him CPR. Simon Shaw then watched Michael Barrymore call someone on his mobile phone. He assumed this was Barrymore's, quote, PR man. A paramedic from the Essex Ambulance Service who attended the scene would also later testify that there was a strong smell of alcohol as he attempted to revive Stuart. Puzzlingly, like Simon Shaw, both Claire Jones and Kelly Campbell also did not appear at the inquest. While their accounts to police were still somewhat muddled, They appeared to give the most comprehensive recollection of what happened, so it was surprising they did not make an appearance. Claire Jones had known Justin and Kylie Merritt for many years since she was a child, so she was comfortable with Justin, and they had a sibling-type relationship. In her police statement, she said, I've known him so long he treats me like a sister. Kelly Campbell had been the most uncomfortable with being at Michael Barrymore's. Earlier when she knew the plan to go there, she just wanted to go home, but she was convinced to go to the party by her friends. Most of the night she stayed in the kitchen talking to Claire Jones or Kylie Merritt, so when Claire was asked to go into the jacuzzi, unsurprisingly she said, I don't really want to though she did admit that she went on a quick, self-guided tour of the house while Stuart Lubbock, Justin Merritt and Jonathan Kenny were in the jacuzzi, 
and Michael Barrymore, Simon Shaw and James Futters were smoking on the bed in the master bedroom. Along with Kylie Merritt, Claire Jones and Kelly Campbell were in the kitchen of the property when they were told that someone was floating in the pool. Two of them said it was James Futters that was alerting the household. When the three young women hurried out, Stuart had already been pulled out of the water and Justin Merritt and Jonathan Kenny were trying to provide first aid. Again, this is another version of the story that could not be interrogated. A reason as to why Shaw, Jones and Campbell did not appear at the inquest is something only the coroner knows. Michael Barrymore's counsel, Michael Mansfield, presented statements given by the witnesses at the party. He could find no evidence that corresponded with the pathologist's findings that Stuart Lubbock was in any pain from an assault before he was found in the pool. When examining the statement provided by Justin Merritt, who had been arrested in connection with Stuart's death, Mansfield said, he saw Mr Lubbock dive-bombing into the swimming pool. He also asked him if he was all right and was told that he was. There's a series of other witnesses who were asked by police whether at any time Mr Lubbock appeared to be in any pain or discomfort. There is no one who said he appeared to be in pain or discomfort or complained of being in pain or discomfort. Mansfield also reviewed a police statement provided by Merritt's sister Kylie. He said, Over a period of time, she's coming and going, but notices Mr. Lubbock is still swimming about in the swimming pool, shouting for them to join him. She asked him if he was okay, and he said he was. It appears that this is not long before he was recovered from the pool. If that scenario of being in the jacuzzi and swimming pool and walking about is correct... It certainly doesn't seem to be consistent with somebody who has got an excruciating injury, which makes it difficult for him to walk around. Michael Barrymore's partner, Jonathan Kenny, offered evidence on the fourth day of the inquest. He explained that after staying with Barrymore at the Marchwood Priory for a few days following the incident, he returned to Blackpool. Kenny repeated much of what he said when he had been interviewed by the press, including his recollection of Stuart being in the jacuzzi with him and Justin Merritt. He said Stuart appeared drunk and Kenny told him to sober himself up. Kenny and Merritt left Stuart in the jacuzzi who at that point looked to be relaxed. Kenny recalled that when he and Merritt went inside, they got changed in the main bedroom, where he offered Merritt a pair of tracksuit bottoms. When going back over the events to piece together a time frame, Kenny recalled letting in Simon Shaw and James Futters after they buzzed in over the intercom at the gate. He believed that it was soon after this that he got in the jacuzzi with Justin Merritt. He estimated they got in the water around 15 minutes after Futters and Shaw arrived, sometime just before 4am. This is puzzling, 
as the statement he gave to the police said that after he and Merritt left Stuart in the jacuzzi, dried off and got dressed in the main bedroom, it was only a short time later that Stuart was found lifeless in the pool. This would mean Kenny was drying off for a considerable period if the alarm was raised around quarter to six in the morning, leaving a large amount of time unaccounted for, a fact highlighted by Matthew Gowan. Although Kelly Campbell did not appear at the inquest, through her police statement she put a rough time on Meriton Kenny and Stuart in the jacuzzi. She believed it was approximately 15 to 20 minutes after calling her dad to tell him where she was at 4am. To Kelly Campbell, the three appeared to be in a good mood, chatting away all with drink. Jonathan Kenny explained that after being told of the news that Stuart had been found lifeless, he rushed to the poolside with Kylie Merritt. Kenny told the inquest Simon Shaw, who was said to have pulled Stuart from the water, was not there nor was James Futters, which raised questions about the amount of time between the period in which Stuart was pulled from the water and the other guests were notified. Along with Michael Barrymore, Simon Shaw and James Futters would flee the scene before the authorities arrived. Michael Barrymore looked weary as he gave evidence at the inquest. He spoke in a low voice, repeatedly asking for complex questions to be simplified. He had asked to read a prepared statement about the unfair media coverage of the case. However, the coroner, who had already seen the statement, refused the request. Barrymore described the lead-up to the evening. He had been for a curry with his partner Jonathan Kenny before they travelled to the Millennium Nightclub in Harlow. He explained that he was becoming more and more unhappy with his life. I wanted to cheer myself up, he said. I'd been through a divorce. My mind wasn't well. They were all my personal matters. The coroner said, You'd had a fair bit to drink. I'm an alcoholic, Barrymore replied. I'm an alcoholic, a dry one at the moment. I'd had a fair bit to drink, wine and sambucas with the meal. When I went into the club, the manager assigned Dorman to stay with me for security reasons. I was there talking and saying hello to seemingly everyone in the club. Girls, lads, it was packed. I got to the bar and was happy to say hello and sign autographs. Barrymore went on to explain that Justin Merritt offered to get him home. He said, We got a cab and two others got in, including Stuart. There was no party planned. It was just a continuation. Barrymore had seen James Futters in the club and had arranged for him to come back with him. However, the pair did not see each other until Futters turned up at Barrymore's home with his friend Simon Shaw sometime around 3.30am. Though Barrymore had gone to the club with Jonathan Kenny, Kenny ended up taking a different taxi back to Beaumont Park Drive. Barrymore explained that once he arrived home with Stuart Lubbock and Justin and Kylie Merritt, he showed them around. I went to the front room and said there's the sound system and showed them how to work it. I opened the house up 
loosening the windows, shutting alarms off and turning lights on. Stuart was wandering in and out of rooms having a look. He seemed really happy, a really nice guy. He was just very up and very happy. He got himself a drink. Barrymore explained that the pool cover was removed around 10 to 15 minutes after he got back. However, this did not align with James Futter's account, as he recalled this happening, and he was not at the property at this time. The topic of drug use at the party was raised while Barrymore gave evidence. Much would be made in the press of Barrymore's responses, which to this day have come back to haunt him on countless occasions. He was asked by coroner Caroline Beasley Murray if he had seen Stuart taking drugs in the kitchen. Barrymore responded, I am not prepared to answer that question. Moving away from the location and merely focusing on whether drugs were used, the coroner asked Barrymore if he had seen Stuart taking drugs at any point during the impromptu party. Again, Barrymore refused to answer the question, saying, I'm not prepared to answer that. Barrymore was invoking Coroner's Rule 22 that covers self-incrimination permitting any witness to decline from answering a question if they would incriminate themselves. The use of this rule was acknowledged by Michael Mansfield. Several witnesses said they had been offered cocaine by the TV personality and watched on as Michael Barrymore forced his cocaine-covered fingers into Stuart Lubbock's mouth. Barrymore became increasingly agitated at the suggestion, but just denied answering any questions that related to the use of drugs. Matthew Gowan, the solicitor for the Lubbock family, had asked, There was evidence to suggest cocaine had been present in your house. Do you know the police found traces of cocaine in your house? Barrymore replied, I am not prepared to answer that question. Is it right that there was at least cocaine in the house on that morning? Barrymore again did not answer the question. Michael Barrymore was somewhat more forthcoming when asked about the circumstances of the discovery of Stewart's body. Barrymore explained that along with James Futters and Simon Shaw, they planned to get in the jacuzzi. He put on some shorts and then, according to his statement, the three went outside. He said that Shaw and Futters were next to him. The other guests were in different parts of the house. However, this did not align with the account that James Futters had given. Futters said Barrymore was not with them. Following Barrymore's version of the events, he said, As I was walking along, I looked down. I saw Stuart. I said floating, that was my explanation, but he seemed to be lying towards the bottom of the pool face up. Barrymore said he didn't jump in to try and save Stuart, as he could not swim. Barrymore told the Essex coroner, Caroline Beasley-Murray, that Shaw or Futters jumped in the pool to pull Stuart out of the water. He could not remember which. After a first failed attempt, they managed to get Stuart out before he was given CPR. 
Barrymore said he quickly ran to former lover Jonathan Kenny for assistance, but then fled in a panic. He was asked by Matthew Gow and the Lubbock family solicitor about his exact movements. In his police statement, Barrymore had said that he got changed in the bedroom and walked through the kitchen and onto the patio. This account was analysed by Matthew Gowan, who questioned why Barrymore continually used the singular I every time he described himself doing something, as it did not give any impression that he was with someone else, i.e. James Futters or Simon Shaw. Confusingly, Barrymore said he thought Shaw and Futters were behind him, but this did not align with their accounts, specifically Futters who at first said Barrymore was behind them, Then, when questioned by the coroner, he changed his story and said Barrymore was not even there. Barrymore said the last time he saw Stuart Lubbock was around 20 to 30 minutes before Stuart was found unresponsive in the water. He had not seen Stuart outside, as although some of the walls of the house were made from glass... Barrymore clarified that he was unable to get a clear view of the pool as the blinds were down. Barrymore acknowledged that his actions of fleeing the scene looked suspicious. It was not the right thing to do, he said. I started to have a panic attack. They were pumping Stuart. James and Simon suggested I came away from there. There was nothing else to do. It was like one of your worst dreams come true. My whole world changed there and then. If Stuart had drowned in a tragic accident, there were still no answers as to how he received the severe internal injuries noted by all the pathologists. Michael Barrymore was insistent that there was no way they were sustained at his property. There was no blood at the house, no blood on his boxer shorts, nothing was reported by the ambulance men, Barrymore said. The only screams were from a couple of girls when they saw Stuart. There was no blood reported by eight people at the accident and emergency. There is no way this took place at that house. Barrymore suggested that perhaps Stuart had received the injuries by falling onto the steps in the pool or by dive-bombing in the water. An undercurrent of frustration and anger could be seen on Barrymore's face, which occasionally bubbled to the surface during the nearly two hours he answered questions before his time at the inquest came to an end. Outside Epping Forest District Council offices, after Barrymore gave evidence, his solicitor David Corker spoke about the media coverage of the case. Mr Barrymore's feelings of hurt and upset about this obviously count for little for what the family are suffering and are still suffering because of the publicity of this inquest. But nonetheless, misreporting in his view doesn't help anyone and doesn't help to get to the truth of this inquest. Mr Barrymore has today asked me to write to the Attorney-General to complain about the reporting of this case and so today I've written a letter to the Attorney-General making a formal complaint. 
It had been hoped the inquest would be a place where there might be some answers as to how a father of two young children had lost his life and how he received such horrific injuries. But those answers would lead to even more questions. This is the end of episode 50. To hear the next part of this case on the death of Stuart Lubbock, please tune in next week. Thank you for listening. A special thanks to our new Patreon producer Natalie Glendenning and everyone who supports us through Patreon. For more information about this episode, please see the show notes or visit our website, theywalkamonguspodcast.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.